the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Those who acknowledge Jesus publicly before others, Christ says he will acknowledge before his Father in heaven. There's nothing better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. True believers will have the joy of hearing Jesus himself say to the Father, this one is one of mine. Now, the Father already knows. But what a delight to hear, Father, this is my bride. These are my chosen ones. This is a follower. This one has followed me, even though life has been difficult. Have you ever had a close brush with death? I've had a few over the years. The aftermath, for me anyway, was a jumbled mix of joy, relief, and thankfulness for my escape. Those sensations might be a small sample of what it might feel like when the Lord Jesus points to me and says to the Father, This one is mine. All authentic Christ followers can look forward to that day. What inexpressible feelings of joy, gratitude, and exhilaration we will experience. But how do you know if you are an authentic Christ follower? That's our topic today on Verse by Verse. My name is Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse today. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us on a tour of Matthew chapter 10. We have progressed most of the way through this great chapter and are now dealing with verses 32 through 37. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, his teaching ministry is expanded to the realm of radio with these daily radio Bible classes. If you have your Bible, keep your place there in Matthew chapter 10, but let's take a look at chapter 7 before Pastor Steve resumes our lesson. If you are a genuine disciple, it's going to show. Jesus said so. Paul said so. So did John and Peter. But some people only think they are going to heaven. In verse 21 of chapter 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Now those are some hard words. Here is Pastor Steve to explain what Jesus was talking about and to begin to tell us some of the ways we can know whether or not Jesus was talking about us. So here were people who banked heaven on what they did. They're involved in a church, perhaps. They served on this committee. They served on that committee. They they had religious deeds. But Jesus said, I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Not I never knew about you, but we never had a relationship. You and me, we never had a relationship. Therefore, he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They practice lawlessness because their hearts had never been changed. They had never truly 
been converted. So Jesus spoke about this, but not only Jesus, the apostle Paul spoke about this too. And it's very interesting. He said it to the Corinthians who he had said, I'm your spiritual father. But unlike this mother who Phil wrote about, who was very defensive, Paul was not defensive. Paul cared more about their soul than about his reputation as a spiritual father. And so he said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Give a test to yourself. What is that test? Examine yourselves, and here's the test. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? The test is, is there a reflection of Christ in your life? Is there any humility, any compassion, any love, any concern for obedience? Those are the reflections of Christ. So Jesus said it. Paul said it. Peter spoke of this in 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Peter said, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. He's saying, make sure. Don't assume you're a believer because somebody said it. Don't assume you're a believer because you walked an aisle and a pastor said you're saved. You signed the card. Your mom, your dad said it. Don't assume it. Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing of you. And then, of course, 1 John over and over again says it. But let me read to you 1 John 2, 3 and 4. By this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The keeping of commandments is not a perfect keeping. It's a desire to keep. It's a general pattern of life. But the one who says, I have come to know him, who does not keep his commandments, John said he's a liar and the truth is not in him. John just is very black and white. There's no middle ground for John. John says, if you say you know him, but you have a total disregard for his word, you don't care about his word. You've never cared about his word. You live your life as if his word didn't exist. And yet you claim to know him. John said, I'll tell you the way it really is. You're a liar. And the truth is not in you, regardless of what you say. So all of us need to pay very careful attention to Christ's words found in Matthew chapter 10, because in these verses, the Lord gives us several distinguishing marks of a true disciple. If your life is characterized by these marks, and we're not talking about perfectly characterized, but generally characterized, then you have our Lord's word for it, that you're one of his. You can have genuine biblical assurance of your salvation. But if these characteristics are not found in your life at all, then you are still unconverted and you need to come to him to be saved. So let's begin. We're going to look, Lord willing, at two of these marks and next week we'll look at the third. But the marks of a true disciple. The first mark of a genuine disciple is that, number one, he confesses Christ before men. Verse 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. The Lord begins this section by stating that one clear way, not the only way, but one clear way to determine if someone is a true disciple of his is by their confession of him. He said that his true followers confess him before men. And what he means by this is that they verbally confess him. They, they speak out about him. They tell others about him. They acknowledge, they affirm that, that he's the Lord and he's their Lord and they believe in him. They speak up about him. The Greek word that is translated uh, confess means to affirm. It means to acknowledge. In some contexts, it means even to agree with. 
It is the same word that the Apostle John used in his first epistle when he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Because when we confess our sins to God, we are acknowledging them and we are affirming them before God. We are agreeing with God that what I've done is wrong, it's evil, I'm sorry, and I repent of this sin. Now, in this context that Jesus is using, he's saying that those who are his true disciples will openly confess and acknowledge him before others regardless of the cost of that confession. Folks, that's the key. Regardless of the cost. In other words, there are no secret disciples, no secret ambassadors. Those who follow him declare to others that he is the Lord and he's their Lord as they seek to share the gospel with them, even if their witness is met with resistance and opposition. See, what Jesus is saying is that his true followers are not ashamed of him. They're not embarrassed to openly state their allegiance to him, even when stating that brings hostility. And why does this public confession prove that one is a genuine disciple? It's very simple, because whatever you believe in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. That's why the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Understand that. There are some people who love to give little cuts, little sarcastic cuts, and they'll say, oh, just kidding. Don't believe it. They're not kidding. They genuinely mean that. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you don't mean it, then don't say it. So if you really have a personal relationship with Christ, then you can't help but speak about that relationship. As one person put it, true faith always moves from the heart to the lips. You get that? True faith always moves from the heart to the lips. Faith and confession really go together. This is, why, this is what Jesus is talking about. An individual who claims to believe in his heart that Christ is God, he's Savior, he's Lord, will verbally confess that before others. So it's important to understand that, that the Lord is not simply saying that the proof that we're believers is that we will speak about him. That's part of what he's saying. But he, in the full picture here, what he's saying is we'll speak about him even before those who despise and hate him when it's not comfortable, when it is awkward. We won't be ashamed or embarrassed to speak of him, even at the risk of being rejected and persecuted. And that's really the key to understand what, understanding what he's talking about. The context, remember, is about persecution. He's saying, I'm thrusting you out as sheep amongst difficult, dangerous, savage wolves. And now he's telling them that a true disciple of his will speak to those savage wolves, even when those savage wolves will attack. They'll still speak up. They don't have reason to fear. They're bold because they understand what he has taught them. I recently read about a young man who came to Christ while he was in the military service. When he returned home from the service, he was concerned that he might fall back into his old ways with his old friends. But his pastor very wisely advised him to publicly confess his faith in Christ. And he said that if he did this, he wouldn't need to be concerned about his old friends because his old friends wouldn't want anything to do with him. That's exactly what, what happened. One by one, as this young man told his friends about his faith, his new faith in Christ, they no longer wanted to be around him. No longer did they want to be around him because now they, they saw him as a peculiar religious nut 
a guy who would never be able to have fun with them like he used to. But this man, though they kept dropping, his friends did one by one, he kept confessing Christ before them, even though it meant losing all of his old friends. Why? Why did he do this? Because he was a true disciple and a true disciple, Jesus said, confesses him before men, regardless of the consequences. See, true disciples acknowledge Christ as their Lord, the Savior, without being ashamed of him, even though this may, as we said, invite all kinds of ridicule, persecution, and possibly even death. This is precisely, I'm convinced, why the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, I realize in the text of Romans, we're not told why Paul wrote that. But let me tell you why I think he wrote that. Because I believe that people said to Paul, and he understood this, they said the rumor was Paul will never show up in Rome. Rome is the center of the empire. Rome is where the greatest thinkers of our day reside. Rome is where the philosophers are. Rome is where the senators are. Rome is where the the movers and the shakers of society are. And Paul knows that as soon as he begins to open his mouth in this city, They'll attack that gospel. They'll analyze it. They'll scrutinize it. And they will show him how inconsistent it is. It may be all right for those places in the boondocks that he's been preaching. But this is Rome. He'll never show up here. He'll never preach here. And Paul responds by saying, not true. I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am coming to Rome. And I'm going to preach the gospel there because this gospel, though they might mock it, though they might mock it, this is the only message by which God's power of salvation is unleashed to lost sinners. I am not ashamed of the gospel. No matter what they say about me, no matter how much they mock me and say I was a, a uh, one-time uh, rabbi who was esteemed on my way up the scales of my, of my profession and now I've thrown it all away, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, having said that, I don't want to leave this and, and I need to clarify something. I want to clarify a very important issue because all this talk about confessing Christ and not being embarrassed, not being ashamed of him might make some a little nervous because the truth of the matter is that there's not one believer here who at times hasn't kept silence about Jesus when we should have spoken up for him. There's not one believer here who hasn't at times been embarrassed to claim Christ and been afraid of what others might say about us or do to us if we boldly spoke up for Christ. That's the balance of this truth. So the question is, does that mean then, in light of what Jesus said, that we're not Christians if we've been embarrassed or ashamed or been silent when we should have spoken up? And the answer is no. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a lifestyle. He's talking about someone who denies him all the time, who never speaks up. He's talking about the kind of person who's been working, let's say, five, six, seven, ten years at a job, and nobody knows they're a Christian. That if they ever heard they were a Christian, they'd fall on the floor laughing. He's talking about somebody who uh, goes to school with someone years and years, and nobody knows that they claim to be a Christian. Or you're in a family, and, and nobody knows, no relative Well, no, no family member knows. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the struggles we all have as believers. There are times all of us, if we're honest, would say, I I failed. I had a momentary lapse of faith. I should have spoken up and I didn't. 
Every true Christian, understand this, has experienced times of sinful disloyalty to Christ when we should have confessed him, but we didn't. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. How about the apostle Peter? Peter, as bold as he was at times, actually denied the Lord three times. Matthew 26 tells us that out of fear, and only out of fear, Peter three times said, I don't know the man. The last time he was emphatic, he started cursing to make his point. And how about Paul's special son in the faith, Timothy? Timothy struggled with being timid, shrinking back from boldly proclaiming Christ. That's why if you go through on your own 2 Timothy, you'll see time and again, Paul telling Timothy, be bold, don't be ashamed of me, speak out. He's telling him, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Don't don't let anyone despise your youth, Timothy. Be bold. And why did he say that? Because Timothy's natural disposition was to be quite timid. Now, certainly both Peter and Timothy were saved men, yet they struggled in confessing Christ before men. But the proof that we are true disciples is that, and they were true disciples and we're true disciples, is that when you fail to confess Christ, you repent over it. You mourn in your heart. See, it was out of character for Peter. It was out of character for Timothy. And it deeply bothered them and they repented of their sin. This is especially brought out in the word of God about Peter. Who remember Matthew tells us that after hearing the rooster croak, as Jesus said, he made that prediction, you'll deny me three times and the rooster will crow. It says this, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, unlike Judas, who felt bad, Peter felt bad and he repented. Judas never repented. But Peter was so broken over his disobedience and denying Christ three times that in John's gospel, we're told he went back to fishing professionally. He thought the Lord was through with him. How could he ever be an apostle now? How could he ever be a follower now? And Jesus, we're told in the gospel of John, appeared to Peter to assure him Peter, you're still an apostle. You're still useful to me. And he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Why three times? Once for every denial. You deny me three times, three times I'll ask you if you love me. And every time Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep, then shepherd my sheep. In other words, he was saying, Peter, I know that you still love me, even though you denied me and I've forgiven your denial. So just go out and minister for me. You're truly a disciple. So, folks, please don't let any past failures in confessing Christ before men rob you of the assurance of your salvation. If the general pattern of your life is to speak up for Christ, even though there are times when you have failed to speak up for him, then you are a true disciple. That's what the Lord is talking about. And Jesus proceeds to affirm that you're saved if this is true in your life. And he affirms it by what he said next in in verse 32. He said, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, notice this, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. This is tremendous. Those who acknowledge Jesus publicly before others, Christ says he will acknowledge before his father in heaven. There's nothing better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. True believers will have the joy of hearing Jesus himself say to the father, this one is one of mine. Now, the father already knows. But what a delight to hear, Father, this is my bride. These are my chosen ones. This is a follower. This one has followed me, even though life has been difficult. 
Now, I want to just clarify something again. Remember, it's not by confessing him that one gets to heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. The only reason we belong to him is by his mercy and his grace in revealing himself to us based on the merits of Jesus Christ. The Lord is not saying, if you confess me, you're going to go to heaven because you confess me. The confession here is just the evidence. It's the evidence that we really know him. The only way we get to heaven is by the merits, not of anything we've done, but the merits of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That is to say, Christ who never sinned while on the cross took our sins upon himself. He died, not as as one who personally sinned, but he died in the place of sinners. And the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ took our, our legal sins, the sins that we should have been punished for upon himself on the cross. And the moment we trust him, he gives us his legal righteousness. Folks, that's the gospel in a, in a nutshell. That's the great transaction. Jesus is not a sinner, but God treated him as a sinner. We're not righteous, but God treats us as righteous as Christ. That's grace. And the only reason the Lord will confess us as one of his disciples is simply because of his mercy and grace. We don't get to heaven by confession, but the confession is the evidence. It's the proof. It's the confirmation that we have genuine faith in him. But what about those who don't? What about those who claim to know him, but they never confess him? Never. Well, he tells us tragically in verse 33 about them. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. Sobering words. What serious words. Those who claim to be his disciples, but as a way of life, as a way of life, continuously deny that Jesus is their Lord, will tragically, Jesus said, be rejected by the Father, meaning that they will not be admitted into heaven, but will experience God's eternal wrath in hell. This is most serious. This is most sobering. There's nothing really more serious than this, to be denied entrance by Christ into heaven. I can't think of anything more serious. So we want to be very clear that we understand what Jesus was talking about. As we said before, To never confess Christ before men, which is the same thing as denying him, means that in an attempt to avoid any kind of persecution, you never, ever speak up for him. You never affirm that he's the Lord. You never affirm that he's your Lord. You never affirm that you believe in him and anything like that. You really want nothing to do with Christianity and Christ where it costs. And Jesus is telling us that anyone who continues to deny him proves by that that they are false disciples, regardless of what they claim, regardless of what their mom or dad says, regardless of what their pastor says. Yes, he walked an aisle. I know he's a believer. That's not what Jesus said. If he is or she is, they'll confess me before men. Now, you may believe that you're a Christian. But if you refuse to let others know that you're a Christian because you fear what they'll think, what they'll say, what they'll do to you, and the Lord is very plainly, in fact, I don't know how much plainer he could make it. He's telling you that you're not a genuine follower of his. So don't have false assurance. The first step in a disaster is always an assumption. Many people assume they are going to heaven. 
When asked about it, they reply, I think so, or I hope so. Stay with us for this entire study to learn how the Bible tells us we can have the assurance of salvation. Thank you for joining us for Verse by Verse. It's a daily radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These classes are an extension of his many years of teaching at Lakeside, and they are made available through Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own local churches. If you would like to hear this lesson again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. It's available for downloading or listening online, as are many of our previous classes. We also offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the middle of a three-part message. You can hear the entire message at one time if you order a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Who has your highest loyalty? How does that primary loyalty affect your relationship with your family and friends? The answer to that question is another... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.